And welcome to another episode of Televised Heroics. Daniel, we have a lot to get through, and I know they say this every week, but uh, we were off last week due to some computer programs, or programs, due to some computer failures. Uh, I know it's a poor craftsman that blames his tools, but yeah, uh, I had a uh, computer fry my, or my laptop fried my hard drive, so we didn't, we weren't able to record last week, but you know what? We're going to give the, our listeners a double stuffed episode this week. How do you feel about that one, Daniel? I'm ready to talk about what it is, whatever it is we have to talk about, and I have no problem doing a double stuffed episode. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into that, let's talk about uh, the fact that the last two days we spent at Phoenix Fan Fest. Uh, it, I, I had a great time. What about you? I had a lot of fun too. Yeah, I enjoyed myself. <laughs> uh, I think we we spent a lot of time on the, on the exhibitor floor. Uh, meeting new people, talking to uh, some vendors, and then uh, at the booth or at the panels, we got to see what John Cena, the Bella Twins, Daniel Bryan. Uh, if you're into WWE, um, we saw uh, Agents Ward and Agent Simmons from Agents of Shield, which is very important to us here on this podcast. So Elizabeth Henstridge and uh, Brett Dalton, and then we also saw. Uh, who was the person that was right before the Agents of Shield, or not right before? But we saw them. I forgot. All right. Oh, it, it was, was um, Eleven and David Harbor. That's right. From so yeah, from Stranger Things, we had David Harbor who plays uh, Sheriff Hopper, and um, Millie Bobby Brown who plays Eleven on Stranger Things. That was really interesting. Like I didn't know that uh, Millie Bobby Brown was or English. Well, actually, it says that she was born in Spain to English parents. And she moved to the states in uh, when she was six, but she still had a very thick British accent. She did, and you know it was just pretty awesome to you know hear her. Yeah, uh, and then we finished off our um, panels on Sunday with uh, Tomo Pinkett. I, I I hope I said his last name right. Um, most people know him from Battlestar Galactica as Hilo. But uh, I actually found out about him because I didn't watch Battlestar Galactica. I watched him on Dollhouse as uh, Agent Ballard. Um, do you, are you familiar with any of his work? Um, just um, that I know he did a couple of voiceover uh, things for, you know, uh, DC's Justice League movie, um, uh, Gods and Monsters, that's where right. he was uh, Steve Trevor. That's right. He was, a, he was Steve Trevor in that it was that was a very strange movie. I know uh, we talked about it before because, but you hadn't seen it yet. But you saw the the Gods and Monsters Chronicles that they released, and uh, it was you know Batman that was an a vampire and Superman that was found by uh, Mexican immigrants and Wonder Woman who was a new god. So it was very interesting to. Uh, to ha- listen to him and tell listen to him tell his story is very funny guy. Yeah, he and he was just so detailed, you know. Right, very much so. And I mean, uh, some you know, and it seemed like he didn't really care that some of uh, some of the fans there were confusing him with other work, you know, other shows he worked on or other actors. He didn't seem to to care too much which was actually pretty cool too that yeah that was pretty cool but then there was sometimes that he was just messing with the people like he would tell like they would say 
uh, I remember you in this. And he's like, oh, no, that was Aaron Aaron Johnson or whatever the guy's name was. And he was like, ah, I'm just fucking with you. So that was pretty yep. cool. You know, that that was actually really cool about a lot of the panels that we went to. Because some panels you go to at these cons, uh, the person that's talking doesn't really seem like they want to be there or they're just not really lively. Which I know it, it, you can't just expect them to be, you know, on all the time. But, like... Brett Dalton and Elizabeth Henstridge were just hilarious. They were, you know, riffing off of each other, t- telling stories about the show, you know, uh, all kinds of great obsession things. Obsession with dinosaurs. <laughs> Brett Dalton's obsession with dinosaurs, that was incredible. Um, and especially <laughs> dinosaur rights. Uh, we also yeah. have... Um, we had... Uh, uh, David Harbour was talking about my favorite show that he was on, Newsroom. So that was that was great. Even though he was very self-deprecating about his character, he said it was the dumbest anchor uh, on the show. But you know, it, I I feel that he had a lot of heart. So I loved that show, and I loved him in it. <laughs> you, you, you know, you gotta love, you gotta love the show or whatever you worked on if you can make fun of it and laugh about it. As oh well. yeah, of course, of course. And then you know, it was just hilarious for. Uh, 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 Millie Bobby Brown to sit there and keep trying to keep David Harbour from giving away secrets for season two of Stranger Things. Uh, apparently, he likes to put his foot in his mouth by saying things that he shouldn't be saying. Uh, I know that he was on the Kevin Pollock chat show podcast a couple weeks ago, or maybe even a month ago now, and he was talking a lot there. And he hadn't had got he hadn't gotten his first script yet, so I, he couldn't really give away much. But he was giving away some ideas, I think, and I think that might have got him in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, and he saw there's eyes everywhere. <laughs> That's right. The Duffer Brothers have eyes and ears everywhere, and uh, Millie Bobby Brown was definitely trying to keep him from spilling the beans. She did a really good job, too. She was very personable. It was awesome to hear her talk and, you know, uh, you know, have stories from the set and, and talk about the, the boys uh, and how they act on set. And she was very... <laughs> adamant about the fact that they talk about you know boy things all the time like video games and sports and stuff and and I, I imagine there was a lot of people in the audience just wanted to be like yeah they don't grow out of that it doesn't matter what age boys are at they're going to talk about video games and sports and stuff I'm surprised nobody brought that up either. <laughs> I, I am also very surprised uh, what was uh, your highlight of the, the fan fest um, my highlight would probably have to be the Stranger Things panel. I know I haven't seen the whole season, and not a whole lot actually got spoiled, which surprised me. But um, just uh, their energy with each other, the way they uh, you know played with each other as well, they're just hilarious. Uh, really good storytellers. Even though Millie did go off track a couple of times, but I really enjoyed that that panel. That one was my favorite. I think that uh, you know that that was a great panel too because it also had a lot of the. Uh, it like it. I probably had it had probably had the most audience of the panels. You know, it it had so many uh, fans there, and they were dressed up in different costumes. You had Nancy costumes and uh, Joyce costumes, and uh, even a Demi Gorgon costume, or at least two of them, I think. And that's you know pretty incredible in itself. So, uh, Stranger Things is a pretty big cultural phenomenon, and you definitely need to finish off that series. I think you said you were on episode two or you finished episode two there's only eight episodes I, in the season 
So yeah, I finished episode two, so I had to start from episode three and you know watch the last five episodes after that. So <laughs> well, I, I envy you getting to watch it for the first time because uh, that was awesome for me. Man, I can't wait for season two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to say that you know walking the floor this year was just super great for me. Uh, you got to see a lot of very cool costumes for a. Uh, very small convention. I mean, and I don't want to. I don't want to seem like I'm insulting them or anything or putting them down. But in comparison to their summer Phoenix Comic Con or you know other cons that I've been to, it was very much on the smaller side. But it was awesome. Uh, people still put a lot of thought into their costumes, and we we posted a lot of our pictures on our uh, Instagram page and you know our Facebook page. So uh, any listeners that didn't get a chance to see those pictures go, should go and check that out. And, um, you know, it was a nice refresher just being able to walk around uh, without getting shoved anywhere else or having to push people out of your way just to move a couple of steps. It it was really, uh, really fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we weren't elbow to elbow with a lot of people. So, um, yeah, uh, anything else that you wanted to talk about? It was a downtown Phoenix, Phoenix Convention Center that uh, held it. And uh, definitely an upgrade from last year when they had it at the uh phoenix university of phoenix stadium where the stadium yeah cardinals play but uh i, I really enjoyed myself this past weekend that's good i did my, i did as well all right uh let's go ahead and get into our tv shows as we're talking about comic book tv shows here we are televised heroics so uh at, you know what? We usually leave the Walking Dead shows to the end, but since we're so far out from the season finale of uh, The Fear of the Walking Dead, let's go ahead and talk about that first. So we had the last two episodes air the same night, and we finally found out the fate of Chris. I think Wait, I talked... <laughs> I, go I, ahead. I, well, I was just saying, in our last episode, when we t- we, we talked about Chris and how... He, very much he pissed me off with how he treated his father. Uh, I, I was vocal about the fact that I wanted him to die in a very, very horrible death. I don't feel they did me justice. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, he didn't suffer enough. <laughs> he did not suffer enough, exactly. Uh, you know, I can I can understand rebelling against your parents, uh, especially at his age, but this is a different world and he just decided to leave with these two douches and obviously it didn't pay out too well for him he fell asleep at the wheel uh take bear in mind this is probably the second time that he's driven because we saw the first time that his dad let him drive and uh flipped the truck and careened into a tree and uh, though he wasn't dead at, at, at impact, they pulled him out of the car and shot him in the head as they do with uh, anybody that's slowing them down, apparently. And uh, it was all kind of off-camera, in-flashback kind of kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't feel that he suffered enough. Which was really weird. Um, we discussed this in person, um, which was really, you know, really weird to have his character die off in a flashback. Yeah, it was because uh, he's been there for since the beginning. So you would think that they'd want to give him a proper zombie funeral or Walking Dead death, you know. But uh, no, we kind of got a flashback, which I, I don't know. I think I, I I wonder what's going on with the writers there. Uh, now because 
Do you sorry. think he was? Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was gonna, I was gonna move on to the next thing. Oh, I was just gonna ask you. Do you think it's because, um, you know, he's been showing up on Agents of Shield a little, a little bit more? I don't know. It was funny. It was after after the show uh, when they did the Talking Dead, and I watched it. He was on there, and he like they were like, "Oh, and now I can finally announce that I'm on Marvel's Agents of Shield this season." It's like, well, we've already seen him. Since the first episode of the se- the season, and that was you know before this air, I don't know. That seemed weird that they uh, announced it that way, but yeah, uh, I don't huh. think it was because of that. I think that uh, I think that one thing finished, and then he went and got the next thing. Gotcha. But what I was going to say was that as a re- direct result of him dying, um, Travis got a hold of the frat douches. And exacted his revenge on them for killing his son. And now that was pretty brutal. Opened up a can of whoop ass. (laughs) (laughs) He sure did. Uh, I mean, he just stomped the fuck out of one dude and then threw another guy through the glass. And uh, yeah, the only casualty was that our uh, resident doctor at the hotel got in the way because he was trying to stop Travis. And uh, Travis kind of slammed a door in him. And yeah, I said in him on purpose because yeah, he ends up bank, uh, banging his head and his head swells, I think, and uh, he goes into a coma. Yeah, he goes into a coma and he pretty much and that's it. That's the the end of him. So because he hurt another person in their community, he now uh, has to be exiled per Madison's own rules, and. Uh, Madison and uh, Alicia then decide, well, we're going to go with him. We're going to take off with him because we don't, uh, you know, we don't want to leave our family again. Or we don't want to split up anymore. Yeah. Even though, you know, Travis was, uh, I'm fine on my own. You guys stay here. You guys got protection. I'm looking out for you guys. I'll go look after myself. Yep. But uh, in the end, they they all left. Strand left with him, even though at first he didn't want to. But he kind of came to their their aid because the the rest of the community didn't want to wait for him to leave on his own the next morning. And that was a pretty intense standoff between them because the dude just lost his brother. He was going to kill Travis for killing his brother, and uh, you know the 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 family was just there, and they were like, he's like, just do it, just take me away, don't shoot me in front of them kind of thing but uh strand helped him out got got him all away and then they busted through the the gates and you know fucking just left the place that was very well fortified and and just totally screwed over everybody else yeah hey we also can't forget that alicia killed a guy that's right alicia is the one that basically saved him because she took out her butterfly knife and stabbed the dude so that they can get away Yep, which uh, leads to the next thing here is, you know, when uh, they go to the supermarket and they're like, wait, there's a lot of people here. What the hell happened? We all know what's going on. But then um, they basically they're looking for the colonia. So they see the dead bodies. And then, you know, Madison's all like, oh, hey, I saw them. They're, they're from the colonia. They, they know where Nick is. And they're like, well, you know, they're kind of dead. And they start searching their body. And Alicia's just like. What are you guys doing? I I did think it was funny that the way that 
they found the where the colonial was is because they they searched the dude's wallet and just found his address on his ID. <laughs> it's like the the guys who had taken him captive kept sitting there asking him where the colonial was, and they didn't even think to look at his driver's license. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, at the colonia, they obviously were not able to hold off the supermarket guys on their own. Uh, they were, they, uh, basically Nick came, is it Nick? Yeah. Nick came up with the idea to have everybody evacuate, uh, him and, uh, what's, uh, the dude's name, the pharmacy guy, Alejandro. Oh, Alejandro. Yeah. You know, they, they were going to take it upon themselves to ambush those guys. And, uh, they, they let in the horde. They let the horde in after after everybody had had escaped and the the guys were in there and they couldn't they got overrun by by the infected, um, and uh, and Alejandro died of I don't know uh, a hero I guess even though after he lied and everybody found out that he didn't get in, bit by an infected he just got bit by the druggy guy. And again, fuck you, Mitch, for being right because that's what you said. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't tr- trust me. I was hoping that maybe he did have uh, resistance to the to the virus. I mean, it would only make sense, as we talked about before, that you know all viruses don't affect a hundred percent of the population because there's going to be one at least one person that has some type of uh, antivirus or it doesn't work on them. But apparently, this wasn't the pro- this wasn't the solution here. Nope. <laughs> um, and I mean, at, at this point too, with Alicia just um, giving the uh, Madison and Travis that disgusted look, I think um, I think in the next season it's going to create some conflict. And I I think Alicia's gonna be like, you guys aren't the good guys anymore. You guys are walking a whole different path. And I think Alicia's going to leave the group. What do you think? Ooh, I don't know if Alicia will leave the group, but I could see her throwing that tantrum that you, you speak of. Uh, at this point, I really feel like they're they're trying to keep the family together. Obviously, they're they're looking for Nick, and uh, unfortunately, Nick met the same fate as Ophelia. She came across. She tried to cross the border and came across basically a, a Minuteman militia kind of guy who. Like uh, use the rifle butt to smack her in the face and take her hostage. I just want to say this, um, you know. Obviously, the whole we need to escape not only because um, the narcos are going to come and kill us, but also because I saw a helicopter at the military base. Shouldn't from season one, shouldn't he already know that the military is a no-no? <laughs> yeah, just throw it out there. Yeah, no, you're right. That's 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 really true. I mean, he knows from the first season that the military guys fucked them over and uh, tried to kill them. But uh, I mean, I guess if your options is military and narcos, you go with military. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, obviously they were just, they just came in as soon as the Nick's group tried to cross the border, they just started shooting people. Uh, did his girlfriend get shot? I don't remember at this point. Yeah, she got shot, and that's why they're like, oh, we got to bleed her over here. Oh, okay. But and they she... separated them. Right. So, yeah, he's uh, they're, they're, he's obviously getting taken away to something else, and uh, we'll find out if Madison's group is able to track him down. Yep. 
I mean, at this point, I have no faith for them. Maybe Nick and or not Nick, uh, Travis and Madison and and Alicia will find the military base. I guess that's the only way of getting reunited. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah, probably not. Uh, it, I think eventually they're going to have to start adding in some new regular characters here. Uh, I agree. I don't know. If and, it, um, I don't since, know if our listeners since, uh, heard that, but that was some pretty loud thunder that just struck right now. So that freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> uh, but okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I also wanted to talk, say that uh, anybody that would like to watch a little bit more Fear of the Walking Dead during its off season, uh, there is going to be an, a second web series now attached to it called uh, what did you say it was called? The Passengers. Uh- um, let me pull it up. Uh, my I saw that text, so it won't take. Yeah, there we go. Won't take long to uh, pull it up. I just had to lock my phone. <laughs> uh, but it is called um, Passage. Passage. Okay. So yeah, Fear of the Walking Dead. Passage. Uh, Google it. You will be able to find it. If you, it'll probably come out one episode a week, just like uh, the Flight Three Seven Six one that came out last year. So uh, give it a try and tell us what you think. I know Daniel will be watching it. Yep. And, I mean, if they do the exact same thing they did with the flight one, they'll probably have one character from the miniseries, you know, go on to the main show. Right. Uh, I think it'd be cool if we saw that one girl show back up again from that one, the one that kicked ass and knew what to do and stuff. Yep. Um, which I, I like I said I really hope she's the leader of the pirates <laughs> she should be I, I also think yeah. that with the I, with the name of passage like that I wonder if since what we're coming across here at the in the season finale is uh, you know them getting stopped at the border by this uh, militia uh, whatever they are mm-hmm. what if like someone is doing like the the underground passages that like uh coyotes use or drug runners use to go from mexico to to arizona or to america that's actually a really good point i mean what would it be like i didn't even think about that what would it be like to use those underground passages when you know there's zombies everywhere fucking terrifying All right, so what we have to expect next is the beginning of The Walking Dead Season 7, and we'll finally find out who Negan killed. Uh, very big. People who read the comic books probably have an inkling of what to expect. Um, however, you know, TV show does, fate, uh, does uh, go askew from the comic books often, so... Uh, I know everybody. But nevertheless, <laughs> oh god! I was gonna go ahead. I was gonna say, nevertheless, if you guys need therapy, we're here for you. We are definitely here for you. All right, let's move on to Gotham. We have New Day Rising and anything for you. So, uh, basically, New Day Rising, we deal with the death of Alice. We because uh, Gordon finds Alice. Uh, searches around for her it, you know we know that the hatter is a bad guy and he doesn't really want to help the hatter anymore he just wants to help alice eventually alice gets caught by the hatter and uh as the two of them are struggling because she doesn't want to be him be near him uh he lets her, lets her go and she falls off of a ledge then gets skewered onto a 
dilapidated amusement park ride. Uh, but of course, the Mad Hatter, being the crazy that he is, blames Gordon for it. He's crazy. <laughs> he is crazy. Mad Hatter is crazy. <laughs> I know. Um, so I did want to point something out that didn't really make uh, make bleh, that make much sense to me um, because um i guess in the beginning of, or in the ending of season two once all the they started signing personalities they assigned the personality of mad hatter to him and once we get into season three alice is like oh he's always been like this you know so i'm wondering like did so i mean i can't get it right so did they instill that uh personality into him or has he always been like that since childhood? Oh, I don't think that's that, what that makes sense. Yeah, well, I don't. I think you're you're assuming that he came from Indian Hill, right? He didn't. Uh, I think him and Alice are from another town altogether. So yes, he he's been like that since since childhood. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I don't. Like, I mean, unless I miss something, I don't believe that he was he was at Indian Hill. Okay. But you're right. She, you're right. Doctor Strange was reading a Alice in Wonderland book, and he and he's like, "You are going to become the Mad Hatter," or said something along those lines. And the guy grabbed the book and ran off. But that wasn't him, was it? That wasn't the actor. They, I mean, they could have used a, you know, just an actor for one scene, and then they found somebody better and replaced him. Oh, that's interesting. Did. He did say that his sister got her uh, blood power from Indian Hill, though. Yeah. He said that he brought her in there because she was sick, and then they cured her, but the, it made her it made her bad also. I don't know. Maybe I missed something. Maybe you're right. That That's interesting that they would do an experiment on both of them. Yeah, he, I mean, yeah, it does make sense because he was just a, a regular, I want to say, regular magician. Uh, who cared about his sister, I guess. Well, he a little bit more than cared about it. She implied that uh, he liked her a way that brothers shouldn't like sisters. Yeah, very incestuous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, it's good to know that he, we're, uh, that there are still things that I'm not picking up, but uh, he, he, he gets away at the end of the episode, and uh, we, have to, we have to also talk about the fact that... Um, I don't know. Is he is he Commissioner Barnes or Lieutenant Barnes? I, that's a good question. I think he's the commissioner because after the lady died, I think he was brought in to be the new commissioner. So, Commissioner okay. Barnes got a little bit of her blood in his eye. So we saw when the landlord got the blood in his mouth, he went crazy and tried to kill people. Uh, he, the Barnes gets a little bit in his blood, and he kind of starts to from lack of a better word, Hulk out, but he kind of suppresses it. Yeah. And he just says, Oh no. And looks like he's fucking scared. Yeah. So then we, in the next episode in, uh, anything for you, we see kind of some of the, the after effects of that. He, he kind of gets some of his strength back cause he doesn't need to use his crutch anymore. He, uh, gets a little bit more angry than normal. So I don't know if he, if they're letting him channel Michael Chiklis channel the thing from when he played the thing in the fantastic four movies. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we got a little bit of a rage monster going on here. Do you think, um, obviously since it was only a little bit, um, and it wasn't a lot, do you think he'll eventually like morph into a creature? 
I think he will. Uh, I don't think it will be anything that we recognize from the comic books uh, because obviously Barnes isn't anybody important, but they have changed names before. Uh, look at uh, Poison Ivy. She became, instead of Pamela Isley, she is now Ivy Pepper. And uh, she, we also see her transformation. She's hanging around with uh, older men now and uh, totally using up her looks to get what she wants. Cat uh, actually runs into her at a party. And when she talks to her, she says Cat, and Cat and doesn't recognize her. And she's like, oh, this is just too good. I'm not going to tell you just yet because I'm having too much fun. Which uh, then leads into um, Bruce telling Cat that you know I hired commissioner or I I hired Gordon to look for Pepper or for Ivy and uh, we haven't found anything yet. But then he you know goes on to tell her that now nah, I actually have feelings for you, and she blows him off. But he's like, no, you can't blow me off. This is these are real feelings. And then finally she kisses him. And then she's like, so that mean anything? She's like, I don't know. And walks off. <laughs> just like a cat. They yep. <laughs> act like they have feelings for you and they just totally walk away. And all because of fucking Gordon telling him to do it. Yeah, that's true. Gordon giving him a little love advice for the 13-year-olds. Yep. Oh, um... So, did it surprise you when, you know, he's like, oh, I already know that's uh, Falcone's son? Uh, it, you know what? It didn't surprise me. It I it made me happy, because then it's like, oh, he is actually doing his work. He, he actually knows things, <laughs> instead of people just coming up and telling him things. So, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. And, um, I mean, we have a whole uh, make Gotham great again with, uh, still can't believe they used um batman returns for their storyline for the penguin <laughs> uh yeah it's you know I, I guess it's part of history we already had paul rubens be on the show as the penguin's father who was the penguin's father in the batman returns tim burton's ba- batman returns so it uh full circle um now the reason why the episode's called anything for you is because we see the blossoming relationship between enigma and penguin and basically Butch is getting jealous. Jealous? Yeah. He, he, he feels like he's losing uh, the Penguin to Nigma. He no longer looks to Butch to help him out. So he hires the Red Hood gang to try and... Well, he doesn't want him to kill him. First, he hires them to destroy the statue of his mother. And then his plan is to kill them when... Uh, they find out where the hideout is, or he was supposed to look triumphant. Um, yep. All he did was really just want to spook uh, Penguin, basically, and make Butch look like the hero, and you know, I guess give him back that friendship that they used to have. Right. And when Nigma finally puts it all together, he makes Butch put the red hood on himself and try to kill Penguin and uh, make it look like he's the the hero, and uh, to- you know, manipulates butch more or uh, penguin more i you know you have to wonder if it since he lost tabitha to um barbara yep and now he's losing penguin to uh enigma it's 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 very very odd and you know what i thought was funny was butch 
yelling at the penguin. He's like, I used to be somebody. I used to be a person that everybody feared around here. Now I'm just your lackey. Uh, like he even cut off. I wanted him to yell, like, you even cut my hand off. Why wouldn't I want to kill you? But he didn't. He really just wants Pig Penguin to want him, like, to be to be his right-hand man again. But, yeah, this was a very strange episode. Yeah. But, I mean, Tabitha went to basically rescue Butch. So, I think uh, Tabitha, Butch, and Barbara... They're going to team up and try to take down, you know, the penguin Enigma. See, I thought that was weird because Barbara does stop Tabitha from going. And she says, not yet, which I think you're right. It does imply that they're going, that he, she might help Butch out. Because uh, they, he does, she does, they do go and save him from the, the police paddy wagon later on. But yeah, and I, I think I had to do with um, basically Butch still having feelings for Tabitha because he was risking everything to save her life when uh, Zaz had her captive. Right, which is why I was I thought it was interesting that Barbara didn't let Tabitha just say, you know, it was actually all of Riddler's idea. It's true too. Mm, he's just, um, I guess, a pawn in a bigger, you know, game that we don't know about just yet. Right. Uh. We also saw in the last episode or two episodes ago the the Bruce Wayne clone, whoever he is, you know, have got to have his day with uh, Selena out on uh, the town looking for Ivy, and uh, eventually when she figured out that he's not the real Bruce Wayne, he kissed her and uh, he went back to Bruce's house and said. You know, basically taunted him with the fact that he he got to kiss her, and then he left. He said, "You know, I'm gonna go ahead and take off, and there's nothing you guys can do about it." And, and that was the last we heard of him. So, uh, we got he got the... kidnapped by the Court of Owls. That's right. He did get kidnapped by the Court of Owls. I forgot about. It. They picked him up, and they yeah, knew that I... they knew that he wasn't Bruce Wayne. Yep. They were like, "Hey, we're looking for you. Come on for a little ride." So, I mean, with the fact that they we know that they wanted a controlling interest in Wayne Enterprises, and now they're going to have a little Wayne of their own, uh, I don't think this bodes well for Bruce Wayne. We'll have to find out. <laughs> uh, anything you're looking forward to in the rest of the season? Uh, I just, um, I mean, I just really want to see if well obviously we saw the mad hatter kill that one girl that he kidnapped so i just want to see more of the mad hatter actually his character is really intriguing me yeah he uh he obviously is uh detaching himself a little bit because he called her alice before he killed her or after yeah before he killed her and uh so he's gonna just go around killing more alices we also got to see leslie uh punch nigma as soon as he went and talked to her so that was kind of cool that was satisfying <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know what I really want to see? I really want to see little Bruce, like, learning more things. I wanted to see, I want to see him learning more skills that we know that eventually he'll use as older Batman. I mean, we saw some of the skills from the clone. (laughs) Yeah, very true. Skills. (laughs) Uh, okay. Uh, Supergirl. Adventures of Supergirl and Last Children of Krypton. As that second title implies, we got to see a lot of Superman in these two episodes. Right. So and for, uh, go ahead. I was gonna say so. Full full disclosure, 
when I saw all the promotional footage and and vit- and pictures of Tyler Hoochin, I think is how you say his last name, uh, as Superman, I thought that was pretty terrible. But when I watched the episodes, I think he pulled it off pretty well. I think he looked the part I- and he talked the part. Yeah, um, I really like them as Clark. I just want to see a little bit more Superman just to see, you know, what my final thoughts on it. But he, I, I liked him a lot. He felt a lot more relatable, actually. He did feel a lot. He did feel quite relatable, and uh, it was nice to see a Superman that you know smiles and isn't pensive. Isn't emo. Isn't emo. Brooding. <laughs> we didn't need it to be raining all the time. <laughs> uh, so they, um, they also made a really good team. They did, and they, they, they she was very happy to have her cousin around, which was great. Uh, I thought it was interesting that they used uh, John Corbin, so Metallo. Um, but then we got a second Metallo. So basically, Metallo is kind of a code name for anybody they do this process to instead of the Metallo that is in the comic books. Which, okay, the Metallo in the comic books has gone through a lot of different iterations. He, he was a criminal. Then when they rebooted him, he became a uh, military man. Uh, then I think after that, uh, we saw him actually working for the, the planet, the daily planet at one point, uh, this show has gone ahead and made him, uh, hired gunmen, uh, as a source. So I don't know because he was, he was targeting, uh, that one lady in the helicopter. Right. Oh, uh, so, Lena Luther. Right. We have Lena Luther. So I don't know if they've gotten rid of Max Lord this season, but we have the sister or half sister. No, no. They said she was adopted uh, in yep. this show. So she is the, the adopted sister of Lex Luthor, who is in prison at the moment. But she wants to run the company legitimately. At least that's how we what we were told. Yep. All I got to say, Lex, you fucked up for not leasing your building in lead. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what? I do. Ha- yeah, exactly. But I do have to say this is one one. This was one thing. It wasn't LexCorp or LexCorp like you know in the comic books. It was LutherCorp. And the only other place I know that they called it LutherCorp was on Smallville. Hmm. So I wonder if you know they're they're going to make this kind of a connection to Smallville as a TV show. Obviously, we don't have Tom Welling as uh, Superman here, but Superman. I wonder if that's what they're going to do. Maybe they can't use LexCorp because uh, the movie uses it. You know that that's a definitely a possibility, but I I, I can't see that, I can't see why we're already using Superman and and the Luther name. Or maybe um, they're just not going to use Lex; they're just going to mention him. Oh. Um and they're going to use Lena. Yeah, I definitely I definitely think we're going they're going to use Lena a lot more. Uh, how do you feel about Supergirl becoming a, a, a news reporter now, even though she's working for a magazine? Cat uh, Grant's magazine, but uh, we have a re- she's going to be a reporter because that's what her true calling was. I find it interesting. Um, I'm just trying to think, though. Um, like, I guess the right way to word it. Um, I mean, how do you feel about her being being a, a reporter? I mean, I think Wait. it was it was terrible to make her be the same thing that Superman is. I don't. I don't remember. I mean, maybe I haven't read enough Supergirl, but I don't remember her wanting to be a reporter or being a reporter. Uh, there was lots of other things that she could have done at Catco 
industries or CACO or whatever it's called to, uh, you know, still be in the know with, uh, what's going on in, in the news so that she can be where she needs to be. And, uh, this also led to Cat Grant, uh, basically stepping down as the head of CACO. She says she needs to go do something new because she's become stagnant. I don't know if this means that Ali, <laughs> Calista Flockhart, I was about to call her uh, Ali McBeal, but Calista Flockhart yeah. uh, is leaving the show. But um, yeah, she she has stepped down and, and actually Jimmy is taking her place as the head of CatCo, at least until they find someone better. Yep. And then um, they have, um, I can't even talk. Then uh, Kara has a, or Kara has a new uh, a new boss too, right? Snapper Car, who we know from the comic books, but obviously he, they have decided to go a completely different direction uh, with his character in the show. He is now basically a Perry White. He is the editor of the news department of Catco, I guess. Uh, uh, he doesn't believe that. Kara uh, can be a reporter. She that she was just entitled and gave and was given the job, even though she didn't earn it. And obviously, she didn't go to journalism school. So, uh, so he has a point. He does have a point. But yeah, he Snapper Carr in the comic books uh, was originally basically the Justice League of America's teen sidekick. He uh, was just there at the Hall of Justice, like you know, hanging around all the time. Um, at one point he eventually does get powers that have to do with his snapping. Uh, I don't remember exactly what they were, but it, when he snapped his fingers, things happened. Uh, uh, teleportation. It was a teleportation. Yep. Okay. Uh, eventually he loses those powers and, uh, the justice league then puts him in charge of young justice. Uh, he, they make him their adult teacher basically. So, I I guess that's kind of where it's gonna be, like, because he's kind of being the the teacher to Kara, but in, on the news side. But yeah, he doesn't really have uh, any connection to his comic book counterpart at this point. That we know of. That we know of. <laughs> uh, we we also saw the contents of that spaceship that came down in season the end of season one. Um, as of right now, they believe that it's another Kryptonian. He is in a coma uh, until the very end of episode two when uh, Kara is sitting there. Out Kara. <laughs> yeah, he's she's sitting there talking to him at, by his bedside, and he just wakes up and starts choking her. Uh, and that's one of the I think the cool things about this show in particular. It always ends with how the next episode is going to begin. Yeah, and um, that you said you know that's what you really liked about season season one that they picked up immediately. Right. Right where I left off. Um, I, I still think, you know, you had your point that, um, it was another Kryptonian-ish type person, like in the comics, but didn't you say that, uh, Kryptonite killed him? No, it wasn't Kryptonite, it's lead, because he's a Daxamite. Oh, yeah. So, if, if this turns out to be Monel, yeah, he would be a Daxamite, which is a planet that's near Krypton, but not exactly Krypton, instead of being, uh, aller- deathly allergic to Kryptonite, which... They did make a point that in this show he is sucking in a lot of energy from the building itself. Uh, and That's that right. there's a lot of kryptonite in the air. 
So uh, if they then expose him to lead, lead will be the thing that starts to kill him. And it's a lot deadlier to him than kryptonite is to um, Kryptonians. As we saw when they were fighting the Metallos, uh, they kept hitting him with beams of kryptonite. And they they were getting weaker, but they weren't dying. Yep. So I think it is going to play out how you said it. <laughs> well, that'd be that's an interesting thing to, to throw in there the uh, the introduction of Monel. So we'll have to see. Uh, I did think it was interesting that Superman and and Martian Manhunter have a history, and it's not a good one. They no. they are not friendly to each other. Basically, Superman knew that Hank Henshaw was dead, and that Martian Manhunter had taken his place. And now that they had Kryptonite. They, uh, they, he, they were keeping a hold of it and Superman said, well, you know, that's not cool. It's the one thing that could kill me and you guys are hoarding it. And they're like, well, we, we need to be able to take you down if we need to take you down. And, uh, yeah. And he's like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, it's, it is an interesting thing. Oh, one thing we need to talk about with the DEO. Apparently Wynn works there now. <laughs> yeah. And they have a new facility as well. They but have... Wynn is really... Uh, he designed the suits to fight the Metallos. Yeah. Basically, he is our new Cisco Felicity. Because each one of these superheroes has to have their tech guy that stays back at the, the, the cave and works on their new thing. So how do you feel about uh, him working at DEO? Uh, I mean... <laughs> I guess it's better than having him sit at Catco and then all of a sudden, instead of doing the job that he's supposed to be doing, he's in some secret room that nobody knows about and he's tracking stuff through computers. Just You're just making him officially part of the DEO and, 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 and things like that. But like, I would be pissed if I was a DEO agent because I went through all this training and had schooling and, uh, mm-hmm. I, I had, you know, probably had to go through some kind of boot camp or something and uh get a security clearance but now this guy just kind of waltzes in and they give him an agent job but he's in charge of it and even though his father is a psycho killer he still gets to be here (laughs) makes no sense (laughs) uh you, you know i have to and i talk about it a lot in this show particularly this show but all the shows are really bad about it but what did you think about Clark and Kara just talking about being Superman and Supergirl right in the middle of the park with everybody. Like, just walking around. That was... <laughs> I guess they don't care who finds out their identities. Right? I don't understand it. <laughs> uh, you know, I... The whole, oh, I changed his diapers when he was a little kid, too. The, the, yeah, some of the dialogue was real <laughs> cheesy, but... Uh, it, they did have a great repertoire between the two of them, so it was it was a fun show. Uh, I'm gonna be excited when they start getting back to some more action stuff, but uh, it was a fun two episodes. Um, big things that they set up for the rest of the season so far. Uh, Cadmus Labs, basically, Cadmus Labs has become like anonymous because they're like, we're gonna expose you for who you are, kind of thing. <laughs> Kryptonians must die. Yeah, so uh, that was kind of weird. That seems like that's going to be their big baddie this season. Yep. And who? Well, okay, so they might have you know your um, android Superman that you've always been talking about. Did you see something with an android Superman? 
No, I'm just saying, um, you know, very well oh. that he could be, you know, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we could see that. Um, yeah, uh, Cadmus is a is a big thing there. There and and usually Guardian is a person that works for Cadmus. So as we know, at some point Jimmy Olsen is supposed to don the Guardian suit in the show. Um, we'll have to see if that's uh, that that comes from Cadmus or not. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about Supergirl? No, I think we we pretty much got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're moving on to The Flash, which as I said after the first episode, I am kind of disappointed in this season. Uh we had episode 2 and 3, which is Paradox and Magenta. And mm-hmm. uh Paradox is basically dealing with the fact that he screwed up the timeline yet again. No. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What did you think of this episode, Daniel? Um, I will say, I mean, TV shows don't really make me cry or anything, but sometimes I do get emotional and fuck you, Cisco, for pulling out my heartstrings. <laughs> yeah, we learned that Cisco's brother is dead in this timeline and, uh, um, Iris and he's asked. Oh. Iris and Joe are, are not uh, on friendly terms. Yes, Cisco has asked Barry several times to go back in time to uh, save his brother, but um, the the time the Barry of this timeline has told him over and over that it's not a good idea. So that's why the two of them aren't talking. Uh, Barry has a lab partner, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, in his lab, his forensics lab that he doesn't like. Um, <laughs> they uh, any other differences that you can think of? Uh, yeah. Um, when he went over to talk to Felicity, it's no longer Baby Sarah; it's uh John Diggle Jr. Oh, that's right. That is a big one, and because the only other time that we know about John John Diggle Jr. is from the Legends of Tomorrow when they met him as Connor Hawk, the second green arrow. And we saw a, uh, Oliver queen that's missing an arm as you know, from the dark Knight returns. <laughs> yep. So definitely him fucking up the timeline. Have they wiped baby Sarah out of existence? That is crazy to think about. And we'll talk so about that more when we get to arrow. Connor Hawk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> Um. Oh, I mean, the one big, real big difference also is that Caitlin Snow has her powers in this timeline. Uh, but I mean, I honestly think it just had to do with um alchemy. You know, since he was going and just giving around, going around giving everybody their superpowers that they once had. So you think alchemy gave her her, her powers in this timeline? I I think so, yeah. Um, so she's probably one of the husks that they found because I think they found four in that episode. Ooh, I think she might have been one of them. Interesting, and she just hasn't told anybody. Why? Why do we do this in these shows all the time? Why does one person just keep a secret? To build the suspense. <laughs> oh, so they know they're on a TV show, so they need to build the suspense for the <laughs> for the audience. Interesting theory, Daniel. She's- I don't know. She's probably freaked out. Doesn't know how to come out to her friends, 
and they they probably remember that you know the other killer frost was evil so really she's just afraid that the she doesn't know how to come out to her what? friends. We just had we just had Cisco last season that had to come out to his friends about being uh, having a meta power. Like this is one thing that's going wrong with the season so far. Uh, Flashpoint episode was basically an episode that we already saw in season two when he went back and and changed things and then had to go go and change him back and we got Pied Piper become a good guy. Then now we have yeah. uh, you know her, it's Caitlin that's afraid to tell her friends that she has a power. That and you know another thing that's really pissing me off so far, season two they're like you can't change the timeline, time rates man they're gonna kill you they're gonna find you, and they're gonna kill you. Yeah they ripped you know fucking Zoom to shreds, but this is a big signal saying like hey there's somebody fucking with the timeline, time rates go get them. Yeah, instead we get uh, Jay Garrick that basically body checks him out of the time stream and says hey. Barry, you're fucking shit up. <laughs> Stop doing this. And basically, it was There's a way. Differences here too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically a way for uh, uh, the writers to be like, okay, we're never gonna use time travel again, and this is why. So yeah, that's it was just terrible. And hold on, quick question. So, wouldn't the time rates also affect and go after? the people and legends see i thought about this too and especially after we i think we talked about it in the podcast after uh the first time we saw the time race i think that because they technically exist in they travel through the time stream like like in their ship and stuff like that it more than likely not it their time rates are never going to attack the legends because that's what that show is it's time travel you don't want to fuck with it but I would say that if I were to justify it, which is what I'm doing, it's going to be because they are, uh, they were at first they were, they were working on behalf of the time Lords or at least a time, not time Lord time, uh, council. What were they called? Time masters. Yeah. The time you council. Know, yeah. Time masters. Yeah. So like maybe the ship protect them or something like that. And like, basically they're supposed to be the ones that are supposed to be doing that stuff. Other than that though, uh, yeah, there's there's they, there's no reason why the time race shouldn't be coming after them, unless the time race only exists in speedsters. You know what I mean? Mm, okay. Which makes a lot more sense. True. Yeah. True. Because I mean, if you're gonna have the Black uh, Flash, which which is death just for speedsters, then you could have time race that exists only for speedsters. Well, I mean, that's where we saw Zoom, basically. He got the red lightning bolt, and, you know, his suit turned black, but... Well, it was already black, but he had the red lightning bolts, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fuck the show. <laughs> uh, okay, so another difference that we have because of Barry's fucking around. Uh, we have a little girl that became Magenta. She... Uh, got her powers in the in the flashpoint timeline uh when they came back to this timeline alchemy changed it so that she has her powers again uh she basically is a magneto a pretty powerful magneto she uh is able to manipulate uh metal um alchemy also killed rival in his prison we have uh jesse quick or jesse wells come from earth 2 with harrison wells and she has her speed powers um and 
right away, Harrison Wells knows that Barry fucked with this with the timeline because uh, he says, "I don't know a lot of these places, especially the Speed Lab." Apparently, uh, the Speed Lab yeah. that they've built in this timeline is is ultra cool, and I don't understand how it's really any different from the one that they had before. But uh, it has a cool track inside, I guess. <laughs> And then basically Wells is like, oh, by the way, Cisco, you should talk to my daughter, daughter and tell her not to be a hero. And he's like, nope, not going to do it. Hey, you, you've you been pretty close with, with Jesse. How about you talk to her? Come on, do it for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Caitlin's like, why? I have no nothing to do with this. I don't understand anything about powers. And even though we know I'm she I'm not a metahuman. To... Yeah. <laughs> uh, also... Fuck you, Wally. You're becoming a little prick, and it's annoying, and God, you deserve to get hit by that car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't want to see our heroes or our hero team members to be whiny, and it's just terrible. Uh, one thing I have to say is that we've definitely cut the feet out from uh, the Cisco character by making it so that he's a little bit more mopey instead of being fun and happy like we used to like him in the first two seasons. Uh, we have, uh, we need, basically we, we see that Wally is going to go try and find alchemy to get his powers back. Even though he doesn't know he had powers in the other time, he just really, really, really feels like he should have powers. Because it's like, I got hit by the dark matter too. Yeah. If it hit her, it should affect me. It's like the, it's like the, when, uh, you see adults that have, uh, two kids and one, the one kid's having a birthday and they're like, well, why is they, why are they getting presents and I'm not getting presents? I don't understand it. It's their birthday. That's that why. Is, that's probably the best analogy I've heard. <laughs> uh, but at, at the end of the episode, Harrison Wells does accept the fact that her, his daughter has a superpower and, uh, he lets her go and help Barry save the, the, hospital from being crushed by a giant metal tanker uh which was impressive that she was holding that up there that was frightening <laughs> uh so go ahead you, i mean obviously uh you did talk about it and um you know i have the exact same idea that um wally is gonna look for alchemy so do you think that they're gonna try to make wally evil yeah yeah, I mean, obviously, the look at so far we've seen what Rival get his powers back, and he went evil. We saw Magenta get her powers back, and she went evil. Um, I guess you can say that both of them had a reason to go evil. Rival remembered his death from the other timeline, and Magenta was uh, basically taking out her vengeance on her foster father, who I guess beat her would be the best way to put it, because I don't think they went into the whole sexual abuse thing. Yeah, I think it was just beating her. Uh, uh, we, if your theory about Caitlyn comes true, then we uh, we have, we haven't seen her turn evil yet. But Alchemy seems to be which, leaving her alone. Yeah, which if she does, you know, come out and use her powers, then they're probably going to use her to maybe stop Wally because you know ice, and she can freeze him and prevent him from moving. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, if there was four husks, who are the other what husks? Do you think? So it would be magenta. Um, obviously the rival. Um, if we're talking about Caitlyn, then Caitlyn. So there's one more missing then. Interesting. 
maybe oh maybe fucking um oh wait no but Captain Cold only uses a gun so never mind that wouldn't work <laughs> uh plus he's dead Legends Legends Tomorrow killed him I was gonna say well maybe fucking with the timeline that way made it so he's not dead maybe it's interesting um what if we see Girder again, which is going to be stupid, but there's a possibility we might see him again. That is true. Anybody could come back from the dead in this. I mean, the turtle could come back. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the turtle. I would love it if the turtle came back, because the turtle was awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's, I think uh, we, we covered it all. There was, I think, maybe one. Oh, do you think that we've already seen who Alchemy is? Do you think so? I don't. I think the obvious is is that it that they're going to turn it into uh, Tom Felton's character. But I mean, he's too much of trying to help them out, like help out the cops and stuff. So I don't think that he would be Alchemy, Doctor Alchemy, or whatever. But uh, usually, when we have a mystery like that, we get to see who it is first, right? So we have right. to try and figure out what who... if it's uh, Commander Singh. <laughs> yeah, that that could be interesting. Because they're like, well, we haven't seen Sing, you know? Yeah. They said it's been a while. It's true. True. Very true. Okay. Uh, are you ready to move on to Arrow? Did you have more you wanted to say about Flash? Uh, the smartest thing they did in Flash was in, uh, put a uh, panic button on their watches or on their phones. Oh, so yeah. whenever they get kidnapped. Yeah, that was, and he even makes that comment about, oh, I guess we're a little bit smarter in this in this timeline. Okay, so Arrow, we have the the recruits and Matter of Trust. Basically, you know, the the recruits are Baby Black Canary, Wild Dog, and Mister Terrific, and then. We actually get a new hero, which I am so glad to see. One, I like this actor because I watched him in a show called uh, Betas, which was an Amazon show that only went for one season, but was really great. His name is Nick DiColio or something like that. And uh, he's playing Ragman, which is a Batman uh, hero. He's a hero in the Batman universe or Batman mythos, I guess you could say. So it's interesting to see him here, but only leads more credence to the fact that... uh, this is Batman Light. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, even listen to the city that he came from. He came from Haven something, Havenport or something like that, which sounds a lot yeah. like Bloodhaven, which we know Nightwing is at in uh, the Batman, or used to be at in the Batman universe. So uh, Until they dropped a giant villain on Bloodhaven called Chemo, which basically was a nuke that hit Bloodhaven. Uh, sound very familiar? Because... Havenport <laughs> got hit by a nuke. Yep. There you go. Borrowing a lot from Batman once again. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Ragman. Very cool. He's uh, powered by mystical rags of the Jewish faith. Uh, basically, have you ever heard the legend of the Golem, which a rabbi brings a statue of clay to life to defend the village as people came to raid it? Uh, instead of a, a statue of clay, they used rags, and we have uh, the Ragman. And the special effects on his costume are amazing for a TV show. Right? Very, very cool. 
And I was like, oh crap, who is this guy? You know, because he almost took out, um, oh, um, Tyrese from The Walking Dead. You know, he's like, he's on nobody. Um, yeah, he almost took him out. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Wait, no, that, yeah, yeah, he almost did take him out. Yeah, because he had him by the throat right. because he, he saw that, uh, Tyrese, or I guess his name is, uh, well, I forgot his name. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, Church, Church, Tobias Church. Uh, That's right. Is, is doing some kind of shady deal with the the the, the hospital people that were uh, funding this clinic that Mayor Queen was trying to get up and running, and uh, you know as a as the good guy that he is, he's taking out the the garbage. Unfortunately, Oliver didn't know that that was go- what was going on. Yep. Uh, of course, our wild dog character who doesn't seem to be able to follow rules too well took it upon himself to try and hurt take take on some bad guys and kind of got everybody screwed over as oliver's trying to teach them to work better as a team instead of as individuals we see a lot of the flashbacks to russia when uh he was going through the same thing trying to join the bratvia or whatever it was called uh I don't know. What do you think of what do you think of these recruits? The ones that he has now? Yeah. Um, I mean we we've seen Baby Black Canary kick ass, so that's gonna be awesome. Um and obviously he's not letting that legacy die or that name die. So right. good for him. Right. Um Mr. Terrific. Um he I don't know, I uh, I I feel like he's gonna get in the way a lot. Um, especially since he doesn't have a lot of tech gear. Um, and even everybody was giving him shit. They're like, oh, you know, you're not as spry as you should be for being, you know, an Olymp- Olympic swimmer or whatever. Or, well, um, I, yeah, they didn't, I don't and, think they say the, 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 the events that he was in. But, yeah, you're, you know, you were an Olympic athlete. And, like, yeah, you know, they, he doesn't he – does, he's not really in shape the way he should be. Yep. And then we have uh, Wild Dog, right? Or oh. is it Mad Dog? No, it's Wild, Wild Dog. Wild Dog. Yeah, um, I'm not really digging his character, uh, but hopefully, you know, he makes up for it now. And then Ragman is pretty much the best thing ever. <laughs> uh, I think with with Wild Dog, he's just he, they're they're playing him as he's just too angry. He's got this giant chip on his shoulder that um, doesn't seem to be uh, getting, or it seems to be upsetting his uh, his training. Uh, while we're talking about Wild Dog, I know that you made a comment to me, and I wanted to make a comment to you about it. But uh, in the recruits episode, he <laughs> Oliver says says something to him about just because you wear a hockey mask and go out and fight crime doesn't make you a a good vigilante or something like that, or make you a superhero or something. And I, I have to imagine that was a uh, line written in there because of his him Stephen Amell playing Casey Jones as well. And then they doubled down on it in the next episode in Matter of Trust when they said. He's like, hey, he's like, you know, um, hockey mask. I'm a big fan or something like that. <laughs> yeah, because someone... I was like, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone says to him, he's like, uh, you probably should get a better something better than just a hockey mask to wear. And uh, Oliver Queen's like, well, I don't know. I'm a big fan of it. <laughs> God, and obviously, like you said it too. All because of TMNT. Yeah, it's so cheesy, but yeah, <laughs> I thought it was good. These cool little in jokes. Um, 
We speaking of masks, though, we did get to see uh, Curtis Holt put on the T mask that we know from uh, Mister Terrific in the comic books, as well as the jacket, the fair play jacket that he that Mister Terrific wears. Uh, it was interesting that they decided to give the original Mister Terrific. Um, I forget his name at the moment, but they gave him a background of being a professional wrestler, even though he was in the JSA. Huh. Why do you think they did that? I don't know. I mean, they wanted they wanted to have the legacy there, but I guess since they're doing JSA over in uh, Legends of Tomorrow, they didn't want to get anybody really confused. Okay. Um, so what do you think about Diggle, you know, going a little bit crazy in hmm. jail? So that was interesting. We got to see a little bit of why, uh, what happened to Diggle. He's kind of got betrayed by his uh, platoon leader, and now he's in jail. And uh, while in jail, he's talking to uh, Deadshot, you know, Floyd Lawton. And I was like, oh my god, he's still alive! You know, they killed him off because they were making the Suicide Squad movie, and they killed off all the Suicide Suicide Squad in the show. Uh, but then when, um, his wife shows up, Lila, he says, can you believe they put me in the same prison, the same cell as this guy? And they look over and there's no one there. So yeah, he might, he might be going a little crazy. Yeah. And then he's like, you know, he's like, I deserve to be here. He's all, don't get me out of prison. Like just drop the, um, drop the case. Yeah. So yeah, that's basically him punishing himself for killing his brother. Uh, he's, he's working through his guilt. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't believe he, he says, he says to himself that he doesn't, he shouldn't, he wouldn't, he might not have had to kill his brother, but if we remember the episode, he did, uh, it was either, uh, kill his brother or other people die. And I would say that he did the right choice. What about you? Oh yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, at this point it wasn't really his brother anymore anyways. It was, you know, he was he'd been he'd been taken over by Hive and Damian Dark and uh uh he wasn't himself anymore. He didn't even care about his wife and kid anymore, so uh which, you know, we don't really care about since season one anymore either, but <laughs> that's neither here or there. And um what um how do you feel about Felicity, you know, saying like, Oh, by the way, I blew up Haven Rock Oh, I think that um, I understand why she did it because she said she just wouldn't be able to keep it to herself anymore. However, I think it's selfish of her because it's 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 taking the burden off of her, and now you're putting it onto him. Now he has to live with it, and he has to be there and work near her, and and still get the job done. But. She feels relieved, but now this guy feels like shit. So not only did you blow up his home and all his friends and family, now you make him feel shitty for it. I think he's going to go uh, rogue for a while, especially the way he left. Yeah, exactly. And obviously he is a he's going to he would be a great asset to have on the team. Yeah. Uh we we did see in the previously on part of the episode when they talked about the fact that Barry told and and Felicity figured out that uh baby Sarah was replaced by baby John Jr. uh mm-hmm. so but that didn't really come up in the the episode yet so we got She just said um 
when he saw Lila, when he was talking to her on the phone, he was like, oh, just tell Baby John Diggle Jr. I love him. Oh, well, That's there, it. there you go. Uh, could we see? I mean, will that have more of an effect? Did they just need to throw it in there because they knew they were going to have that line? We'll have to find out. Uh, yeah, the whole matter of trust thing had to do with uh, Oliver Queen telling them who he was and then, you know, uh, eventually making it so that he would trust them when they went out on a mission. Uh, they created Stardust basically the same way that Joker gets created in all of the comic books and TV shows and movies. Uh, except for the Dark Knight. Uh, he gets, you know, he, he falls into a vat of chemicals that then changes him. Uh, basically, this character got put into a vat of chemicals that is used to make the drug stardust but he essentially became solomon grundy he's walking around he has no heartbeat uh he can get he can take damage without feeling the pain uh he doesn't he didn't seem like he really healed any which is bad because yeah maybe you don't feel the pain but it doesn't mean that your broken bone will allow you to keep walking and that's what oliver did he cut all of his tendons so he's like yeah, you might not feel this pain, but guess what? You need tendons to walk around. Yep, and uh, basically, yeah, that was it. He just left him behind. You yeah. don't know what happened to him. Very, yeah, we don't really know what happened to him, so that is interesting. Maybe Prometheus will heal him. <laughs> well, that's the other part of the show right now, Prometheus. Prometheus basically told Tobias Church not that you got too close to killing uh, Oliver Queen, or not Oliver Queen, Green Arrow, and that was his job to do. So, uh, once again, we have this another uh, an evil archer going around uh, shooting at people and blaming it, either blaming it on, on the Green Arrow or telling them to stay away from the Green Arrow. We already did this with Malcolm. Right? We already did this with Roz. <laughs> we are, yeah. Uh, we even, even to a little extent, we did it with Nisa, too. So, like yeah. I said, it's 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 a little strange. Now, uh, we're keeping the mask on him, so either that means it's someone that we know already or someone that we met. Now, the newest character in the show would be Felicity's boyfriend, the detective. Do you think it's him? Right. Oh, my God. What if it's the lawyer? Ooh. Now, this is the interesting thing that you bring that up. The character who's playing the lawyer, or the lawyer, the the DA, he actually is a costume hero in the comic books. His name is Vigilante. Oh, shit. Yeah. We're so, on to something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, they could switch it that way, but I, I don't think that, that they would. So, once again, that leaves the... the um, the, or the, the cop the time or the timeline fucked with everything tommy merlin is alive and he's going after ollie i was just about to bring that up i was gonna say this would be your time for tommy merlin to come back and i could see it happening it would be a very much a red hood uh jason todd bringing back of a character you know uh someone fucked with the timeline then all of a sudden uh, he's alive again. He woke up. He's pissed off that Oliver didn't avenge his death, and he decided to go train and become Prometheus. Fucking awesome! That would be great. So if that happens, I will give you the credit since you you you've been wanting Tommy <laughs> to come back forever. I know. 
Uh, God, time travel, endless possibilities. <laughs> so I would have to say, of the CW shows right now, this one is my favorite again. Um, see, Supergirl is, is good. Flash, I told you I have my problems with it. This and Legends are right now my favorite because this first two episodes of Legends of Tomorrow is better than the whole season, first season of the show. <laughs> right. I, I agree with you. And, you know, this is – it's basically becoming the TV show you originally wanted it to be. Oh, very much so. And when they're sitting there – the whole episode when they're hanging out with the JSA, which they're, that's what uh, we have to talk about, the episodes uh, two and three of the Legends of Tomorrow is JSA and Out of Time. Uh, I was geeking out so much without, you know, without lack – for lack of a better word or a better phrase – like just seeing the JSA, even though it's it's not exactly characters that I know well, uh, it's it's not the characters that I want from the JSA, but it was still the JSA. We had Rex Tyler, you know, leading our man leading the JSA to help uh, uh, the Legends of Tomorrow, and it was it was so cool. Yeah, and um, I mean, it was that that whole you know that was a lot of fun it was a really episode that you know normally uh first season of uh, legends i did lose interest here and there but this one just really kept my eyes locked on the screen the whole time i really liked it i had a lot of fun with it so did i uh we have to admit we have to so we're, we're in the first episode we're introduced to uh and i'm sorry i said episode two and three it's actually two or one and two uh, we're introduced to um, Nate Haywood, who in the comic books is Citizen Steel. He uh, is the grandson of Commander Steel, which they com- they kept in this uh, this episode uh, in the show. Uh, but in this, instead of being a college football star who lost his leg, he is a historian. A, a historian? Yeah. He's a historian with uh, hemophilia. Basically, he has he doesn't have the ability to clot when he bleeds. So, uh, you know, hemophiliac will uh, could potentially, from small cuts, bleed to death. Um, thus, he was never allowed to play football. Uh, but he became a historian, and he listened to stories about his grandfather, who you know saved FDR and all kinds of stuff. Um, he so he learned more about history. And because of his astute um, knowledge of history, he was able to pick up when the fact that things were changing in the timeline, which to me seems very weird because every uh, story you ever read about time travel, uh, people that aren't directly involved in the time traveling don't get to notice that things are changing. They just assume that that's what it is. Well, what threw him off was, like, he reached for his uh, dog tags, and he's like, wait, my dog tags aren't here, and I always wear them around my neck, and that's when he checked the journal, when he's like, oh, shit, the JSA died on this date. We need to go back. Right. Well, that's that's um, that's when he is already part of the time-traveling process. I'm talking about before that, when he, when he found uh, um, Oliver Queen first. He went and looking for Oliver oh, okay. Queen. He said, I've noticed little things in history that keep changing. And this is, he hasn't been a time traveler yet. So when he found Oliver Queen, That's Oliver true. Queen helped him go pick up the ship. We learned from, uh, Rory. He, yeah, Mick, well, Mick Rory, uh, the heat wave, yeah. heat wave tells him, you know, this is what happened. We got stuck. 
you know, certain things basically had to happen, and they go around picking up their teammates from different places uh, in time, which Nate Haywood comes into to con- or comes into um, help for that because he's like, oh, I know where your different people are because I've studied history, and Ray Palmer's in the prehistoric time with the dinosaurs. Uh, White Canary is in France during the Musketeer times. Um, I forget. Oh, where was uh, uh, Firestorm? Oh, uh, shit. You know, I actually didn't. I don't think I wrote that one down. Wait, weren't they trying to help out um, the king? Uh, king Louis? Oh, is that what it was? No, that I was one of their so, missions. Yeah. That was one of their missions. Oh, that's right. So yeah, I was wrong also. Uh, it's okay. Either way, they were you know they were spread out through time because uh, Rip Hunter basically used a device on them that would allow them to be uh, sc- time scattered. And uh, basically, at the end of the episode, we find out that Rip wasn't able to save himself because they needed to fly. He, someone needed to be able to fly the ship. So Mick Rory, who was hurt, uh, was put into stasis, and he left a uh, basically a hologram message to the rest of the team saying, uh, "You know, I won't be I won't be around anymore. You guys have to take care of this." Do you think that Arthur Darvel is off the show now, or are we going to find him later? I think we're going to find him later. I don't think uh, he's dead. Good. I hope not. I mean, his character isn't the greatest yet, but. I think they can do a lot of great things with the Rip Hunter character. And then, I mean, eventually, if we're going to introduce Booster Gold, you need to have both characters. You, do you think we're going to have Booster Gold eventually? Oh, I hope so, man. That This show really needs Booster Gold. <laughs> uh, that would be awesome. I would, I would love to see that. I mean, at this point right now, uh, Nate Heywood is kind of playing the Booster Gold character, uh, but... I, I would love to see actual Booster Gold show up. Uh, which kind of brings us to the fact that at the end of the JSA episode, to save Nate Haywood's life, uh, Ray Palmer injects him with a modified version of the serum that w- the Nazis were using on themselves to make basically make them Hulk strength. Hulk out? Yeah, Hulk <laughs> out. So we'll have to see what it is that, uh, that does to him. Because it saved his life, but... You know, it might, it might have other effects on it, which I'm pretty sure it will. Now, uh, his character in the comic books, because he got some um, liquid metal in his mouth while fighting some Nazis in a park, uh, he became he basically got like uh, Luke Cage powers. He got steel skin and uh, super strength. Okay. Well, I mean, the way he injected him, I was like, oh, he's going to be, you know, the Captain America of DC Comics. Which, you know, very much could be, because if you look at Commander Steel's costume, it's very much a Captain America-like looking uh, costume. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's probably what's going to happen. Um, I I don't think it's going to have any repercussions. I His hemophilia is probably going to be cured. Uh, he'll be fine. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, like I said, I'm looking very looking forward to this episode. I hope they interact a lot with the JSA. Uh, we also have to bring in the fact that uh, we saw uh, Ia Barthon, the Reverse Flash, show up a lot in these two episodes. And one of the biggest moments that he showed up, 
he kills Rex Tyler. He uh, did his vibrating hand right through Rex Tyler's chest and killed him. Our man is dead. And as he's dying... (laughs) Yeah, as he was dying, Vixen runs in and says, what happened, what happened? And all he said was time traveler. Uh, which you know, obviously, they're gonna. She's gonna assume that it's because of the, the Legends of Tomorrow that they died, but or that he died, but it's actually because of Eobarthon. Thon, and then uh, we did see a lot of Dark as well. Yes, we did see Dark, Damian Dark show up. So we we know that he's gonna be a part of the Legion of Doom team that we we discussed earlier. Oh, um, by the way, the choreography on this show. All the fight scenes were awesome. They really... Uh, I wonder if they had the same choreographer for Arrow because that was amazing hand-to-hand combat with uh, Canary and with Damien Dark. Yes, very much so. So, yeah. Uh, obviously, yeah, they have stepped up their game with their with their uh, choreog- fight choreography just like Arrow did last season, which they are keeping up in this season, I believe. So that's cool because yeah. these shows need to be about the fighting. Uh, where like Flash, I think it needs to be more about the science, and uh, Supergirl needs to be more about the spectacle because she has all those powers. Th- these two shows need to be a lot about the fighting. They do, and the and the, that's the fight scene. Be- what's going to save them? Yeah, the fight scene between the Legends and the JSA. Even though the JSA eventually kicks their ass, uh, it w- it was pretty awesome too. It felt like a pub brawl, actually. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah, a little bit, but it it, it was filmed great. Um, it, it, if you call it a pub brawl, a pub brawl, it's kind of like a, I don't know if you saw um, Simon Pegg's movie at the World's End or the World's End. Yes. Yeah, it's a lot like the the pub pub brawl in that. Yeah, the, um, I I hope that Arrow and Legends keep this momentum up. Uh, so do I. So do I. Uh, anything particular you want to talk about the, these two episodes? Um, so what do you, okay. Yeah. My final question, um, would be like, what do you think that amulet does or has? They didn't really go into detail about it. That, that is a very uh, good question because it's very, it's true that, um, Hitler during world war two was very much looking for all items of a cult. He would look for magical items. He would send his soldiers to the four corners of the earth to find these things. Um, what that could possibly be, I have no idea. Uh, could it, if, if, if they're smart, they would uh, attach it to Dr. Fate because Dr. Fate was very much a part of the JSA. Uh, we haven't seen him show up in the CW shows yet. However, if you believe that Constantine that was on NBC is also connected to the CW shows because John Constantine showed up on Arrow, then we did see Dr. Fate's helmet on John on Constantine in the one season that they had. Oh, that's a good eye, keeping that shit. Oh, man. Yeah, so that would be pretty cool. I like your theory. <laughs> um... And yeah, and obviously they they wanted it because they their uh, Eobard Thawne wanted it for whatever reason that he did. Yep, and he ended up taking it. He did. He he took it right from uh, Rex Tyler's dying hands. Time wraith <laughs> because of Thawne. Uh, obviously, he's immune to time wraiths. Apparently. <laughs> uh, all right, last show that we have to talk about. Agents of Shield, Uprising, and Let Me Stand Next to Your Fire. 
Dude, this show... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so good this season, right? Yeah, it has not let me down whatsoever. Uh, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what exactly Uprising was about. Um I'm not too sure. Let me see if I can find anything on it. But I know in Let Me Stand Next to Your Fire, we got to see Ghost Rider fight uh Hellfire. <laughs> Yeah, which was actually pretty cool, and especially when uh, he ended up getting the the chain. Right? Oh my god! And he sits there and he's handling it, and he's like, "You know what? This feels right. This feels really good. Maybe I should keep it around." <laughs> and I, I, um, so I agree. The, oh, go ahead. I just said I agree. Oh, um, the first episode. Oh, okay, sorry, you cut out a little bit, but the uh, first episode was um, the humans basically causing all those uh, power outages and big cities trying to – I mean, not the inhumans, but the um, – The watchdogs. Military militia. The, yeah, watchdogs. Yeah, the watchdogs, I mean, yeah, were causing the, the blackouts and blaming it on the the inhumans. And we and we got to see a little bit more of Yo-Yo. They, you're right. I forgot about that. And, uh, I mean, how do you feel for a third time we've had to see the whole Quicksilver scene? Because they did it with Yo-Yo. Uh, you know, it, it's it, it, there's not too many ways that you can show uh, super speed. So I, I I let it lead or I let it uh, let it go because I think that you know it's the it's to me it's the best way to show super speed. Whereas you know the Flash does a lot of everybody stays in their regular time, whereas the Flash zooms around, uh, which is probably more cost efficient. But I like the fact that they do the whole everybody else slows down and, and yo-yo, you get to see yo-yo running around. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, uh, it was was it was interesting to see how much that uh, even like the whole idea of Inhumans is infecting people's lives and, and it's kind of a, uh, a stigma. You know, it's very much a stigma because – uh, even her friends turned her in when they figured out that it was her that was the inhuman, or at least turned on her. Her her very close friend that was like, "You're one of them. You need to get away from me right now," kind of thing. Dude, that pissed me off. That made I felt so bad for her, man. Yeah, no, you definitely should. I mean, it's terrible the way that happened, but it, it's interesting story. I I think. So the kid that played that played Chris, obviously in the. Um, Fear the Walking Dead, and he's obviously, um, you know, Ghost Rider's uh, little brother. Is he just going to be a dick all the time? <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. In the, the Talking Dead episode after this, the finale of Fear the Walking Dead, everybody – and it's not like anybody would have – would say something bad about him anyways, but everybody was very much saying how he's such a, a great guy. You know, he's so friendly. He's always singing on set and, and stuff like that. And no one really had a bad word to say about him and they were going to miss him and stuff. So, uh, yes, I think he's always going to play a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Just because it's the opposite of what he is. Yeah, I guess so. Man, I even felt bad for Quake at that point, too. He's like, you can never see him ever again. Now leave. Yeah, that. Yeah, that was... It, it's so strange how uh, how this whole thing is playing out. Um, which, I mean, makes sense because people aren't very much accepting of change like this or uh, abnormalities. So, um, 
her hanging out with Ghost Rider that whole day uh, was was cool to see the two of them kind of fighting together. Um, yeah, and figuring out what it was that they needed to do. And we had uh, Coulson and Mac uh, basically trying to uh, defuse the uh, thing that was taking the power out. And oh, and then oh, we had. I, um, so go ahead. I was gonna say I love Max shotgun. I want one of those if the zombie apocalypse would ever happen. His shotgun axe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh yeah, it was great. Um, basically, uh, what I was gonna say was that we also got to see May. Uh, you know, still suffering from her uh, ghost touch. I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, going crazy and. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Radcliffe best decision or best idea was we have to kill her. You know, once we kill her, her brain will, uh, put itself back together and we can bring her back to life and then she'll be fine. And he's like, well, wait, Fritz is like, wait, uh, but we'd have to kill her. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and of course, right when they're about to bring her back to life with the defibrillator, that's when the power goes out. Uh, and it's not just power going out because, if it was uh, the, obviously the defibrillator goes off a battery, it's a uh, EMP pulse, which then, or I guess just an EM pulse, um, it it fries the batteries in there. So they have to find uh, a power source that is shielded from EM, uh, and they do. It's Ada's heart. And, you know, I was watching that episode and I called it. I was like, the power's going to go out as soon as they try to fucking reset her. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, obviously they don't want to do that because there's a chance that they would expose the fact that they're working on an android and that would be bad. Yep. But, I mean, May ends up putting it to- uh, together anyway after they save her life. But she doesn't. Oh, that's right. They're hiding the fact from her. That's right. Right. Sorry. Yeah. No, she's she's wondering why why the girl Ada is different. Like she's like, why is that girl different? And she's like, oh, well, she was born in France or something like that. Uh, and then eventually, it's funny because she's like, I like her. She doesn't talk. She doesn't, you know, fuss around with words. She's like me, down to business. <laughs> and, I mean, it's just kind of funny because it makes you think. Oh, well, that means May is kind of a robot in herself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the best part was that um, Simmons comes in and she's just like, I can't believe you guys made it. It's it's great. It looks amazing. She He's like, what do you mean made? And she's like, she's a robot. You know that she's a robot, right? And he's like, yeah. How do you know that she's a robot? And he's like, I'm fucking intelligent. That's why. Um. So, I mean, one of the things that did happen is, you know, Ada was like, well, why would you lie to May? And so, you know, he had to go with a process of explaining lies do you think that she might eventually become a threat and become a you know bad well you know it's interesting that in in the process of explaining what ada was he he basically talks about the asmanov three rules of robotics you know uh always protect humans try to protect yourself and like uh never indirectly hurt uh, a living being or something like that. So he says something to the same thing as always help humans, uh, never uh, try to hurt them kind of thing. So as we know from Isaac Asmanov's books, uh, the robots always eventually find a way to manipulate those and being like, well, the best way to help to protect humans is by killing them off because they hurt each other all the time. 
And yeah, you know, eventually she might go bad. I hope not because we already have a, you know, bad robot storyline in uh the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, Age of Ultron. Exactly, which they directly uh, you know, uh referenced in the first episode of the season with uh uh saying that she's not the same as Ultron. She's she's not nearly as uh uh, advanced and uh, you know he's working on making it so that she's merely just a helper android not something that uh, could want to take over the world but when you're, you're fucking around with artificial intelligence you never know what's going to happen exactly which was funny uh, because like even uh, though he told her that we had to lie at this moment she still answered Coulson's words of like you know uh, or what was it uh, how long have you known uh, Dr. Radcliffe says, since she, he gave me hands and he's like oh you're just like me then you know it's a yep. good, the answer that she gives was good <laughs> but she gave the wrong type of answer yeah um, and then oh, I just don't know I just get a bad feeling from that robot man <laughs> maybe too many sci-fi movies maybe uh, too many sci-fi maybe, movies maybe um, we also have to take into account that uh, Daisy tricked Simmons into uh, basically helping her um, and at the end of that episode Daisy is now back with S.H.I.E.L.D. because uh, Coulson kind of took her back yep and he's like you know we work as a family we're a family here nobody turns back on each other right kind so, of. so what do you and, think uh, what do you think of this now that I mean she's been rogue for so so long now I think it's what I think they said half a year Six months. Uh, how is she going to be back with the team? I I think she's uh, going to be a little bit standoffish, especially everything she's gone through with Shield. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, which brings us to their you know their fight scene that they had in in the fireworks place with uh, Hellfire and uh, Ghost Rider, uh, which was also funny because Hellfire. Uh, is working with the watchdogs because he wants all inhumans killed, including himself. He just wants to be the last one as long as he gets to see all the human inhumans killed. They thought they were, uh, they Simmons and, and Daisy thought they were going there to help him, but uh, yeah, he he basically double crossed them. Now, I have to I have to point this out. I myself am not a big gamer. I have heard of this game Overwatch. I have never played it myself. Have you played Overwatch? No, I have not. So apparently there is a character in Overwatch called Junkrat who uses explosives all the time, and he's Australian. And uh, the writer of the episode, of this particular episode, with Hellfire, who is Australian, um, is a big fan of Overwatch. So a bunch of lines that Junkrat says in the video game were incorporated into Hellfire's dialogue in this episode. Stuff like, uh, well, take a look at me now, baby. I'm on fire. Well, a little bit more on fire than usual kind of thing. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. That's pretty badass. Yeah. So, so a little Easter eggs. Yeah, little Easter eggs if you're a, a game, a big video gamer and a person who watches Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, I am upset to see you know this Hellfire character go. In the comic books, he is a de- direct descendant of the original Ghost Rider, Phantom Rider. So uh, that's why he has the ability to light the chain on fire. 
Um, but I think with the idea of him being around and Ghost Rider being around, they didn't want they don't want people to be too confused. So this is kind of like uh, them fighting out for the the person that gets to hold the name. Well, since they took him alive, I'm pretty sure he's going to escape. He'll probably still be around. He could definitely be a guy that's around, you know, and, and he'd be like that, you know, in, sorry, in X-Men comic books, you know, there's always the one mutant that doesn't want other mutants to, to live anymore. So he would be that one in in human, you know? What if they reprogram him and he becomes part of the team? Uh, this would not be unusual for uh, a Joss Whedon show. Uh, even though this is writ- written by uh, Jed Wheaton, his brother, um, there often is the bad guy that gets his brain reprogrammed or uh, tinkered with that becomes part of the team. So this could happen. Uh, I don't know if they want to do that again with this, but we because I mean, we don't really need a big team. We we have Mac, we have Coulson, we have May, uh, we have Fitzsimmons, and now Daisy again. And I I really don't think that Ghost Rider is going to stick around past halfway through the season so uh we don't have to worry about that um we did see more of this these ghost characters uh and they're basically the guy that put them in their boxes and uh we saw uh what is ghost rider uh ghost rider's name in this i forget the oh robbie reyes robbie reyes's uncle uh eli who is in, in jail for basically putting the guy in a coma after he saw what he did to the other scientists. Now, uh, in the comic books, this is where they've strayed with the, 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 the story from, and the show from the comic books. Eli, his uncle Eli is the serial killer that, that uh, bonds himself with uh, Robbie's soul to make him the ghostwriter. Um, this one, they've kind of gone ahead and gave him the more traditional Johnny Blaze so far, as we know, he gave him the Johnny Blaze, I made a deal with the devil uh, kind of uh, thing to give him his powers. Right. What if they tie it in like he knew that his uncle, oh wait, no, that wouldn't work actually because he asked them about it in jail. So my theory shut down. <laughs> uh, that's okay. I, I don't think there's there's uh, too much mystery going on with uh, this char- the, these, these three characters as there would be in the comic book. But... Um, we are having, I think the mystery belongs with the, the ghosts and why they are, uh, how they are. And, you know, we saw them basically, uh, wake up the guy that's in a coma by, you know, manipulating his brain chemistry, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, I guess. Or they gave him a nightmare so bad. He, he woke up himself out of the coma. (laughs) Uh, anything, uh, you want to add about these two episodes of shield? Um, do you think that book, obviously that book has to deal with Dr. Strange. So I'm just, uh, want to know how they might connect it or like what big reference to the Dr. Strange movie. That's right. That's right. You're, I, 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 I should, we definitely should have brought that up. They, they mentioned the dark hold, which is a book, uh, in the, the Marvel comic book universe that, uh, holds all the knowledge of man and stuff like that. Just like they said. And, uh, it is very much the, the part of, Doctor Strange uh, universe or mythos. So by the time Doctor Strange comes out, which actually is, I think, two weeks from from now, two, three weeks from now, uh, we might get to see a type of uh, interaction with um, 
Doctor Strange himself. Or maybe one of the supporting characters from Doctor Strange. Or it could be um, the book that the bad guy from Doctor Strange is looking for. Oh, that's very good, too. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I can't wait. I can't wait to see... I don't how... even know who the villain is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they went with uh, Dormammu in the... No, actually, I don't think they did. They Mad Mi... Mads Mikkelsen is the bad guy. And uh, he's playing. He's the actor playing the bad guy. I think there's some kind of cult that that worships Dormammu. Oh, okay. So we'll we'll have to see. I, mean, I, I can't wait for that movie to come out. So uh, it looks really good. I can't wait either. <laughs> cool. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? No. <laughs> all right. I, we've gotten through all our shows. We went through. Like I said, we said in the beginning, it's going to be a double stuffed episode. Uh, so what are your theories on these shows? What did you think of the season finale of Fear the Walking Dead? We'd love to hear from you listeners. Please contact us. Uh, if you want to do it on Twitter, I am at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Daniel is also on Twitter, Twitter as at Daniel Von Helvet. And, uh, you can get geek elite radio at geek elite radio on Twitter. Um, but go over to our Facebook where we do most of our conversation, be a part of our community, let your voice be heard. Uh, tell us what you thought of these shows. Uh, it's Geek Elite Radio on Facebook. After that, go to our website, geekeliteradio.com, where you can check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio network. Uh, but until next week, and I'm pretty much sure that we will be here next week, uh, this has been Televised Heroics on the Geek Elite Radio network saying, always remember to geek out. Geek out.